Hello, everybody. Thank you, thank you, Janet Lee, for that super suspend, super, super job you did. That was great about the light. Okay, and happy to have you on board, everybody. This is Jerry Lee standing in for the manifester, and today we're going to be talking on a new subject. If the body without the spirit is dead, what is the spirit without the body? And from James 2.26, that's the scripture that says about the body without the spirit is dead. <clears throat> so, this is going to be an interesting subject. It's going to be an interesting subject, so just fasten your safety belts and toe in there because uh, we're going to be covering a lot of scripture. And perhaps we won't get through all the scripture and through all the subject and if that happens guess what we'll be going on to the next week to finish it up now here's my plan just to sort of set you up for um, two weeks this week and next week we're on probably this subject then after two weeks we will be starting on uh, a very interesting series that will be taken from out of the book that I've written, uh, The Seven Thunders Before Genesis. Now, in, in case there's any of you out there that don't know about this, um, I was able to get a really uh, unusual opportunity of purchase from the uh, printer. And this happened, oh, some months ago. And I was just waiting for the right opportunity. And so I have offered this at a really uh, super price, 30% off of the regular price. I'm not trying to give you a sales pitch here, but I, I, uh, I even today had a call this morning from um, uh, over in China, and uh, they're wanting to know about getting, you know, the uh, book. And um, so I just want to get that message out there that these books are available at 30% off. And if you want to buy some for a few other people, I have a limited amount. And I, that sure sounds similar to sales pitches I've heard before, but it's just the truth. Anyway, um, that is available. And you have to, you have to, um, to uh, you know, get those directly from me, uh, not through the, not through the uh, regular uh, company that we sell them. And then we will get you that book right away and you'll be ready for uh, when we start this series we're going to be teaching out of the book and that will be an incredible series because there is so much in that book okay if the body without the spirit is dead what is the spirit without the body well the body without the spirit is dead and what is the spirit well the spirit is alive so it's the opposite of what happens to the body. The body cannot live without the spirit. So even animals have spirits. They don't have the same kind of spirit that we do because they don't have a spirit soul. But the Bible says very clearly that the spirit of man goeth upward but the spirit of the beast goes downward. One is eternal and the other is temporal. So this, the spirit 
keeps living. And that is the major, major difference between the body and the spirit. Now, the spirit that is in humankind is the spirit that has existed before and were once called angels. And there's some very interesting uh, scriptures uh, along that line that um, I want to share with you. And I'm sure you will have um, read, uh, you know, these scriptures before. But um, it is, um, for instance, if we were to go over the scripture in um, Hebrews 1.7, that says, Who maketh his angels spirits. Now, when you make your angels, um, when you when you make, and, and let's really concentrate on this, when you make your angels to become spirits, the question is, what were they before? So, that is very interesting. That is very interesting. God saying in Hebrews that he makes his spirits to become angels. Of course, the word in the transliteration of Greek to English actually means messenger. But messenger has gotten to mean more than just a person carrying a message because it has become a personification. That means it has become a person. And so we need to answer that question. We need to understand that. Well, when you, when you go into um, the Word of God and um, you get in, into the Scripture uh, where it's talking about spirits and and spirits being created and all that, uh, you actually find out uh, in the book of um, uh, of the Old Testament that um, that that the the spirit uh, is created in the body, and that is how it it is originally created. Well, you know, when I first received that revelation. That just absolutely did not seem right to me. It just didn't. It just didn't seem right uh, because I never thought about that. But then the Lord began to tell me how that if there is no spirit to go into a body, then the energy that is taking place at the time of the creation of the body, as it reaches its highest uh, energized momentum, that there is energy that escapes from being a part of the body and becomes the spirit of the body. And that is uh, far out, I know, but it is Bible. And um, we will share that scripture with you as we as we get into this uh, teaching here, because uh, it is certainly interesting and well worth uh, 
going into. And we're going to be covering a lot of very interesting subjects. So, let's go over that again. Let's go over it again. We're talking about the body and the difference between the body and the spirit. And it's in the scripture. And we're going to just go through those scriptures uh, by just going through all the, not all of them, but a lot of the, a lot of the spirit scriptures so that people can really get the revelation and it can be clear to them exactly what it is that, uh, that is being revealed. So, okay. Now, um, we're going to be talking also about a thing called, uh, called mass. The rest mass. And although that is a term that is used um, uh, in science, it's, um, it has a, a relative reference well worth getting into um, in our making this whole story fit together as to what the spirit is, what the body is. And so, um, so here's what we want to do. We want to, um, we want to get into um, this portion of the uh, scriptures, hoping that you all have Bibles. So the thing of it is, um, If you all have your Bibles, we're going to start on these, but just before we get into them, let me talk a little bit about the rest mass. Um, the rest mass, if we're using it in um, a physics description, atomic terminology, um, it has a very specific meaning. And when we get into that part of our teaching, uh, we will, uh, you know, get into the exacting of all those terminologies. But uh, basically, the physical mass of a body, when it is regarded at being at rest, is rest mass. When the physical mass of a body is regarded at as being at rest, then the rest mass of a body is at zero velocity, and that is called rest mass. That is not the end of the story, though, and we'll get into a little bit more about what rest mass can be and how, how that when we start talking about the term rest, as it is explained uh, many, many scriptures in the Bible, and you'll be able to see a certain relationship as we, we get into this subject. But there, there is something else that is um, um, interconnected with that subject. And it's a thing that is called absolute space. Now, absolute space, um, in its own nature, without relations to anything external, remains always similar and immovable. So absolute space, I believe, is a terminology 
that can apply to something very spiritual that we will get in here to today. It's, it's a place in God. Like, for instance, sometimes people will tell me about large numbers and how they've got this revelation of these really large, large numbers. And they'll ask me what I think about it. And I said, well, the significance of numbers, when you start using them in comparison to spirituality, the larger the number, the further away from God you get. The smaller the number, the closer to God you get. And if you can get all the way to zero, then you are really getting into the well of God. Because the number for God is the mono is one. And, and there's one God, and one is a predominant number. And when you get into that revelation of the one, then you see that zero, or, or ought, however you like to call it, has no power until it is placed next to the one. So if you take a zero that has no power of value, but you place it next to the one, you immediately are, are, have gone from nothing to ten. If you place two zeros next to the one, you immediately go to a hundred, and three to a thousand, etc., 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 now, getting to this absolute space where everything remains in this at-rest condition, like if we're talking about your flesh, which the Bible says that the flesh is full of lust, full of evil, but if you can get your body to be at a total point of subjection and a total point of rest to where it is not influencing your, uh, you away from your spiritual life to where it is not distracting you and it's at zero then it ends up having a value as being a tabernacle for your spirit but if the body is making all of the noise and doing all the broadcasting and the spirit can hardly ever get a word in edgewise, then you have profound distraction and you are quite a ways from being in, in the rest and in that zero vector or zero velocity. So we want to talk about that today, about that absolute space that a person can get in, in which you remain in that same similar description and you are immovable. You cannot be moved. It's like that song, just like a tree planted by the river, I shall not be moved. There is a place planted by the river where you stay the same and where you will not be moved. And it is absolute space. 
absolute space where your roots are, are in a constant of having a source of being watered. So that drink of life is constant, a constant source at the roots at all times. Now, this has a lot to do with the Spirit. The Bible says that the Spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophet. And when we talk about the prophet, we're talking about the prophet that is the human being, the vessel that has been used as a, an instrument to speak. It's going to use the physical brain. It's going to use the physical mind. It's going to use the physical mouth. It's going to use the body to bring forth that message. But the spirit is subject to the body. The body has dominance because this is a physical universe. So there has to be something of a very spiritual nature happen on the winning over to God's side for you to have a place in God that your body is brought under subjection to God. And a lot of that has to do with just understanding the power of the grace of Jesus Christ. Because there are certain remedies through grace that, that Christ has offered for us in the overcoming trial to allow us to be victorious when otherwise, otherwise we'd be in constant defeat. Well, the Bible tells us, besides our spirit, there is a, a super spirit, a holy spirit. And the other word for that holy spirit is Holy Ghost. Now, the Holy Ghost name is very, very important. And I will tell you that in the manifest teachings, that word ghost will never be let out or done away with. Because God, the invisible God, the Ultra, ultra, the ultra God never leaves the first domain, which is the heaven of heavens. Because the invisible God is pure spirit energy, and that pure spirit energy is love. The Bible tells us in the book of, of John. Not the Gospel of John, but the, the book of John, that God is love. So it's not just that God has love, but that God is love. The very substance, and that is not even a proper word to use, but it's a word that suffices for helping people to understand. God is love, the substance of love. And so he never leaves the first domain. And he's not a he. But I said that for your sake so that you can catch the connection. We call him M. Capital A, capital M. So when God, the I am, wants to 
go out into the universe. He never leaves it with his spirit, but he sends his ghost, which is a Holy Ghost. So it is the image of God that goes out into space called the impression. And this impression has gone into what is called the soundtron, which is described in the 19th chapter of Psalms and the 10th chapter of Romans, where it speaks about that the, the measure or the line has gone out into all of the world, into all the universe, that there is no place that it is not heard. And then in Romans, through trans, um, uh, of it being translated uh, from the Greek to the Roman, to the, from the Greek to the English, uh, it becomes the word sound. So measurement becomes sound. So then metron, which is the Greek word for measure, has the last part of it being tron, T-R-O-N. And when you add that to the sound, which has been transliterated in the book of the 10th chapter of Romans from the 19th chapter of Psalms, you get sound tron. And this impression of the Holy Ghost has been put into every soundtron. And there is no place in heaven or hell, there is no atom or molecule that the soundtron is not impressed in, imprinted in. Mostly, people do not understand what the soundtron is or what that it can, says or can say. But that is all part of the revelation of the Holy Manifest. And it says that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. So if there was ever a guarantee of the highest, most royal benefit possible, that is the promise right there from the Word, that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. Now, we have to be very confident that the all truth statement will include the revelation about the rest mass. That's rest, R-E-S-T, and mass, M-A-S-S. Mass is the same thing as saying your body because it's a mass of atoms. But it could be other things that, it, that a planet is mass. So, generally, we do not think of a spirit as having any mass. But by the same token, we do not think of photons, which are waves of light or particles of light, or as they say, they're both one and the same. We do not think of them as having any mass. But what, what they do have is what's called a mass effect. That the effect of a particle, which in this case is called 
the proton, or the photon, pardon me. The photon, if it were a body of mass, would, do a, would have a certain effect. They say it does not have mass. But it is well known that there is a, an, an effect by the photons as though they did have mass. Now it's very strange when you think of Einstein's theory of energy equals mass at the velocity of light squared which means that energy is equivalent to mass since light is an energy and generally speaking in those highest physics terms energy is equivalent to mass then how strange it would be that photons are traditionally said to be massless when they are an energy but then when you think in terms of the fact that the photons these waves of light these particles of light have the effect of having mass even though they do not have mass then it is saying something very spiritual in my opinion it is saying that something that does not have a substance called mass can achieve the equal to any benefit or any effect that not having that mass would be if you were able to cause there to be an effect that made it seem as though you did have the mass. And this goes along with the scripture that Paul rendered, calling those things that are not as though they were. So we can apply that to this, these photons that supposedly, traditionally, do not have any mass, but they have the effect of having mass. Calling those things that do not have mass as though they did have mass. And by just calling them that, and putting that in in a absolute absolute way the effect of it then becomes equal to if you had mass even though you don't have mass the effect makes it equal as though you did now when you understand that and you see that it that it it affects something as powerful as a term that has to do with light because that's what photons are beams of light waves of light particles of light speeding through space at the speed of light usually then you see how important it is when the Bible says let there be light and there was light now it is very obvious that in, in the course of time that God has preserved dimensional truth 
that has even to this day never yet been known and is just beginning even in this time to be given revelation for the first time. And this preserved dimensional reality is so ingredient of the miracles of God and the spirit moving of God that it makes us to realize how important the spirit is. Yes, the body without the spirit is dead, but the spirit does not have to have a body, but it does use bodies as temples and as instruments to minister in. It even uses bodies made unto honor and bodies not made unto honor. Now there is a scripture in the book of Malachi and it is an absolutely phenomenal scripture and I've shared it with the the people that read my manifest teachings and, and I've mentioned it I believe once or twice on radio but in Malachi chapter 2 Verse 15, it says, And did not he, referring to God, make one? Yet had he the residue of the Spirit. Now here we have a scripture talking about the residue of the Spirit. How can a Spirit have residue? Well, let's say, for instance, that we have a person who has friends and a family and say that person's maybe been a legend and then he he dies or he passes on to the other world he does not have his body and and there are scriptures that tell us that when the body perishes the memory perishes and we can understand that because we know that the brain uh, categorizes and has short-term memory and long-term memory and that these memories are stacked in a very condensed manner in which the body has access to through its neuron circuitry. So that when that body with all of those compacted and awesomely and the Bible says wonderfully made aspects, is deceased and the body returns to dust, well, generally, that's the end of that memory. That memory of that life, of who that person was, and everything, the Bible said, is gone. Well, generally speaking, most everything that the, that the human animal would be involved in, in the aspect of human survival from day-to-day -day life mold is something that belongs to the beast world. And in Ecclesiastes it says, I would that God would 
manifest man, would manifest humans, that they would see that they are beasts. So humans are beasts. And most everything about, you know, being an animal is not something that is interesting to God to bring into the spiritual realm. But people insist that they want to be able to remember all the all of everything and bring it over into the spirit realm. Well, this scripture here tells us how that it happens. When a spirit leaves this physical body they had and leaves the physical dimension and goes in the spirit dimension, the spirit retains a certain amount of residue. And that residue has to do with memories of his physical life. Now it's considered a, a residue, a debris, but it's an important residue and it's only temporal. But even if in that kingdom, if the, if the spirit was to retain that, that residue for what in, the, that, in, that re, in that dimension would be a short time, it would no doubt be longer than what you, the rest of your whole life is going to be here on earth because of the time differentiation between this physical earth time and what would be in the other realm. And so this residue does allow certain things to be remembered. People that you loved, people that you were close to. Works that you did for God. Works that you did in loving your neighbor as yourself. There are these things that are residues. They're called residue because they belong to works done in the physical body. And so the spirit without the body can remember things and can know things. God doesn't want him to remember the filth of sin. That doesn't belong in a pure dimension of heaven where everything is 100% pure. But there is that time before those people would ascend to the heaven of heavens which on earth will seem to be a long time, but in that domain will seem to be a short time, in which they do have this residue, which allows these things to be remembered. So the spirit, without the body, can do quite all right. But the body without the spirit, it just is dead. Now I remember one time we were having a very special prayer meeting and we were praying for uh, Africa. And we really had a faithful burden for Africa. And we prayed for them uh, on a regular basis and claiming 10 families quite often. And we were in this very special meeting called Melchizedek meeting. And while I was up in the front sort of leading the group, the Spirit of God came on me and I went into a kind of trance. And while I was in this trance, I saw my spirit coming up out of the body. 
And I looked back and I saw my body lying there at the front of the church and the people around. And then my spirit just zoomed over into Africa. And I was going along this road and I had this bag of grain. And as I was going along the road, I was throwing out this grain and knowing that God was going to cause this grain to grow because they were having quite a famine at that time. This is a lot of years ago. They seemed to have ongoing famines. But they were having a, you know, and I was just trying to, to get as far through Africa as I could in these areas that were so deplete of food and planting this new seed to grow. And then <clears throat> the Spirit spoke to me and said, you've got to go back. You can't leave your body much longer or your body will die and then you won't be able to go back. And I said, well, just a little longer, just a little bit longer. And I just almost waited too long. And when I got back, I had difficulty getting my body, my spirit to adjust back into the body and have the regular function. And some of the people re recognized that there was something very seriously wrong. And they began to come up and crowd around. And I remember my, my daughters laid their hands on me and began to pray. And, and, uh, uh, and people were praying because there was, I just about waited too long to come back into my body. But then out of God's mercy and grace, I was able then to, to come back into the body and then to eventually wake back up and be all right. So the body can't live very long without the spirit. It dies. It cannot live without the spirit. But we know there are scriptures that tell us that there are times that you can leave the body and you can do exploits. You know, the body, you know, Paul says and talks about being absent from the body and that his spirit was over in these various places where other people were worshiping and he was beholding their their order he this is first uh, corinthians 5 3 <clears throat> absent in body but present in the spirit and we know there's another time that he went and he visited the spirits um in paradise and we know that Jesus descended into Hades to upper Hades which is which is lower paradise and preached to the dead and we'll get a chance we might talk more about that later so we begin to see that um, that there are a lot of connections with this subject here that we're talking on it is not minor mode. And this residue of the body, it has, it has a real connection to a very important thing. 
But we have to understand that there is a very spiritual place that a rest mass can represent as this thing that we call absolute space. An absolute space that's independent of any external influence. Now, in physics, they talk about rest mass can be dilated. And that's a very interesting word because you think in terms when a woman is, you know, uh, her body is preparing to have a baby, she goes into these dilations. And she has to reach a certain number of dilations before the opening is wide enough for the baby's head to come out. And when we think about this rest mass being along that line where there's these dilations, we can see that it is really a birth of this absolute space, which is a spiritual dimension in which we reach the point of zero rest, of zero rest mass. The, the, the mass just the body, the physical body, just coming to, to that zero, zero rest place. Now, when you really read about all of the, the evil of the body and all the problems with the body, how it is just adverse to God, it, it, it makes it very, very very, very difficult. Now, if you want the scripture, before I tell you this other scripture, where it talks about forming the body within, the forming, pardon me, forming the spirit within the body, then that's Zechariah 12.1. And this is the scripture that shows us that the spirit is formed in the body. Zechariah 12.1. Now, we want to talk about this thing that Paul revealed, which was absolutely sensational. And it's how powerful that the Spirit is. In Romans 8.26, he writes about the Spirit, capital S, maketh intercessions for us. I think that if people do not come into the dimension of all of, of the all things are possible into the dimension of understanding how to get through the needle's eye if they don't come into the dimension of all the things that have been offered in the, the word of God then they can't apply those things the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God <coughs> So then if you reverse that in this, into the proper order, <clears throat> excuse me, the word comes first and comes into the body through the hearing. And when you understand that, then you understand that it's very important that we know what the word is saying. And when the word says that the spirit maketh intercessions for us, do we ever need to know that? Do we ever need to understand that? And do we ever need to ask God to apply that 
to our lives. In the next verse down, Romans eight twenty seven, it talks about knowing the mind of the Spirit. God wants us to know what the mind of the Spirit is. If you don't know what the mind of the Spirit is, you can't assimilate it. And you need to be able to assimilate it in order to apply it so that the virtue will go into you and heal you and, and, and will develop you. And you need to tell yourself the Spirit, S-P-I-R-I-T, capital S, is making intercessions for me. That if you have any faith in the Holy Spirit, if you have any belief in the Holy Spirit, that though you don't understand how to solve your own problems, that though you don't even understand what is causing all your problems, that though you don't understand why that you can't seem to ever get on top of your problems. The one thing that you should be able to know and believe is that the Holy Spirit can be your solution. If the Holy Spirit is making intercessions for you, it knows what your problems are. It knows what you need. It knows exactly the method that has to be put into effect to bring you out of the gloom and the doom and into the spiritual place with God where you are in an absolute space with God. Praise the name of God. Now, the Bible talks in Romans 7, 6 about us learning to serve in a newness of spirit. So we're not just dealing with all the things that need to be overcome in the flesh. But there are direct things that need to be attended to within the spirit that we have that dwells in our fleshly body. <coughs> because it says, serve in the newness of spirit. Now, why is it important to serve in the newness of spirit? And, and why when... Some people try to read certain scriptures out of the Old Testament law or, or something that is very uh, much like um, uh, poison or execution out of the New Testament uh, places. And they want to dwell on that. Why is it that the Spirit will always lead us to scriptures like Romans 2.29? About following and living in the Spirit and not, not going by or living in the letter of the law. The letter of the law has its place, but the Spirit exceeds beyond the letter of the, of the law. Praise the name of God. So we have to sometimes say, God, in this letter of the law, show me the Scripture that would apply to Romans 8.26, that the Spirit maketh intercessions for us. Show me how I can get into that scripture. I know there's all these other houses, and they seem to be houses of punishment, and houses of, of prison, and houses of detour. I want to find the house, God, in, the, in, the, in this, these scriptures that 
the Spirit is making intercession for me. And then he'll take you to scriptures like Romans 8, 9, which the Bible says, when you put yourselves in the hands of Jesus Christ, you are no longer in the flesh, but in the Spirit. That even though you are in one sense in the flesh, because you still have a fleshly body, and even though you are still in a sense committing certain fleshly type of errors and sins, when you have committed yourself into the bodyhood of Jesus Christ, something miraculous happens. Someone says, I want to be changed from this creature. Well, this is how you can really do it. This is how you can really do it. Because if you try to look in the mirror and watch yourself change as a creature, you're going to have to stand there and look in that mirror until you start getting old. You have to stand in that mirror. You might have to stand there and look at it until you die. But if you can put this all into the face of Jesus Christ, if you put this all in the goodness and the love of Jesus Christ, who through, by the, who through the Holy Spirit is making intercessions for you, and you have to believe that if the Holy Spirit and Jesus are making intercessions, that they're not praying in vain. They know what they're doing. <coughs> their prayers are successful. Then they just reach out with their arms of love and though you are in the flesh, and though you are still not overcome, they wrap you in their arms of love, and they say, you are now no longer in the flesh, you are in the Spirit, because now you have come into the absolute space of the love of Jesus Christ. And in this absolute space of the love of Jesus Christ, you have immunity, because you are protected here as a royal as as a royal uh, person of the missions of God's word wow wow that is so absolutely awesome and the bible talks about it in 1 Corinthians 5:5 5, 5. It talks about that the Spirit may be saved. A lot of people, when they talk about being saved, and even though they know that it's something more than just their, their fleshly body, when I've watched people refer, you know, respond to being saved, it, it seems to me that in almost every case that I have witnessed it, that people entail... And they feel that it is their personality and their person, their physical being. Their person by a certain name. Their person that lives on a certain street, in a certain house, in a certain city. That person's been saved. But the real powerful thing, 1 Corinthians 2.11, is knowing that the spirit in you 
can be saved. Knowing the spirit of man that is in him, Christ knew what the spirit of man was. He didn't trust man. But yet if that person would come to him and come into his absolute space, then he would cover that person. So then in 1 Corinthians 5, 5, he said the purpose would be that the spirit, not capital S, small s, the spirit may be saved. Ladies and gentlemen, if you save the body, it's temporal. <coughs> You've got nothing except a temporal thing. But if you save the spirit, the spirit's eternal. That's where eternal salvation takes effect. Not in the body because the body is not eternal. Not in the physical realm because it's not eternal. But the spirit is eternal. So when you get salvation in your spirit, when your spirit gets saved, you've got something. You have really, really, really got something. Wow. And then in 1 Corinthians six seventeen through 20, it talks about being joined to the Lord in one spirit. And we can just turn there and maybe read that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 17. Let me just find that and read it to you because there's some additional scriptures there I've got noted to read. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Ever sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What, what, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not of your own? And you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God is understanding that you are not going to cast away your body and he's not wanting you to cast it away. But he's wanting it to be made so that it can be the temple. The temple for the spirit that is joined to God. That is into the waves of salvation. And you're to flee everything that you possibly can flee that belongs to the carnal nature. But if there's anything out there that you can't seem to overcome or can't seem to flee from, get into Jesus Christ who makes intercessions by the Holy Ghost and get covered with the lifeblood of Jesus Christ so that you become immune to the punishment until God can get you straightened out and, and purified. Praise be God. You know, 1 Corinthians 15.45 tells us that when Adam was made, he was made a quickening spirit. Small case. S-P-I-R-I-T. A quickening spirit. I think that that's a revelation that has been lost. I think when people say, he's coming soon. They don't understand that it's really talking about the quickening. 
because that idea of the quickening spirit has been lost. It's an awesome, beautiful, wonderful revelation. Because when God quickens the spirit, it does matchless and wonderful things. And to be a quickening spirit is not only to be able to quicken your own spirit, but to quicken others. And the power to be a quickening spirit is the kind of power that belongs to raising the dead. Wow. Yes, the, the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. There are just plain times how that people interpret the Bible, that it just absolutely kills all joy. People get into, into the doom and, the, and, and get into the curses. And, and they get into it on such a heavy subject that they just kill the joy of the Lord. I remember I used to sing that song, The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God doesn't want us to be given to fear. The Bible says that. God wants us to get over fear. Wants us to not have fear. We are to help one another. And one of the terms that the Bible uses, meaning the same thing as rest, is refreshed. And in 2 Corinthians 7.13, it talks about because his spirit was refreshed by you. We can have a major effect on people. We, we can create a causation to re, for their spirits to be refreshed. I don't think gloom and doom and the constant uh, riddling about all of the, the natural uh, disastrous news media that is mentioned every day on the, the uh, broadcasting of the news <coughs> is going to save anybody. I think people do not get threatened into salvation. They, they, can, they will better come into salvation by love. Wow. Second Timothy 1, 7 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. So if you have the spirit of fear or, or if people are teaching you the spirit of fear, that doesn't come from God because that's right here in the scripture. Second Timothy 1, 7 hath not given us the spirit of fear. Well, what has he given us? Ephesians 2, 18. We have access by one spirit, by one Holy Spirit, unto the Father. Now, that's another thing that is sort of lost. You know, people commonly don't know who they're praying to. They get confused. A lot of people say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. But Jesus himself taught, when you pray, pray after this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven others who, who trespass against us. Let us not be led into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Our Father, which art in heaven. I think that's another thing that's been lost. People have lost the meaning of the quickening. People have lost the meaning of the Father, which art in heaven. They've gotten disconnected from that. Jesus said, there's not anything that I do of myself. Everything that I do, I do under the influence of the, of, of, of the Father. And I've shared this with you before. But Jesus told this incredible story that just is uh, nothing, nothing less than, you know, than sensational. And, and uh, uh, even though I've read it uh, many times, I, I never can get full of it. You know, he said, for the father loveth the son and showeth him all things. This is John, Gospel of John 5, 20. The father loves the son. And did you know that the father loves you? Your father, which art in heaven, who, to whom Jesus said, pray to the father. My father, which art in heaven. The father loveth the son. And showeth him all things. Do you know that the Father can show you things? Some people are so limited in their prayers. They don't even think or know that they can, they can ask the Father. In Jesus' name. To show them. And it says the Father show, shows all things. Wow. Shows the th things that he does, and he will show even greater works than these, that you may marvel. For as the Father, hold on, I get on to this, as the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. In another place, Jesus said, My Father works hitherto, and I work hitherto. They, they both had things they were doing. They, they both had a hitherto that they, they went to to work. Wow. Jesus says that the Father taught him the power of the resurrection, how to raise the dead, how to quicken them. He was taught that by the Father. For as the Father raises up the dead, so, meaning so that, that's then how that I do it. The Son quickeneth whom he will. Wow. You've got a lot going for you. You've got the Holy Ghost. Making intercessions. You got Jesus Christ. You got the Father, which art in heaven. God is wanting to bring the church into a deeper understanding of reality. And, and it's the intention of God, it's the intention of God to do that. You know, <clears throat> there's an interesting scripture in the book of Revelation. And it says, 
the, the Spirit and the Bride say come. Now, traditionally we have understood the Bride of Christ being the Body of Christ and like representing the woman, the church. Now there's some people that they, they seem not to be able to do anything unless they hear what the bride has to say. But in the confusion that exists sometimes in the church world, you've got these ten virgins out there that are waiting for the call that represent this church but five of them are foolish. Half of them are foolish and only half of them are wise. They've all got lamps. They all look like the real thing. They all have knowledge about the rapture. But the difference between the five foolish and the five wise is the five wise has oil in their lamps. And the five foolish have let, let the oil run down. They don't have the oil in their lamp. So there's sometimes when all you've got in your particular space to address to, to call to, to deal with, happens to be the five foolish group. Where it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Thank God for the con- conjunction and in there. You've got the spirit and the bride. So if the bride's not working out for you because the group that you happen to be dealing with are the, are, are the five foolish that need to get oil in their lamp and they haven't got it yet, then thank God you've got the spirit. You can turn to the spirit because both the spirit and the bride say come. You're not just limited to one door. You, you, you know, Jerusalem has these doors all around it. you got other doors that you can go through into the holy city. And that's what God is opening for His people in this day and in this age. It's an exciting time. God is revealing this absolute space <clears throat> where you are not just limited. Where you've got your total absolute ability to move forward in God in in a special way. Okay, let's go on with some more scriptures on the Spirit. Hebrews 4.12 talks about the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. And 1 Timothy 5.23 talks about those three different aspects. The soul and the body and the, and the spirit. Sometimes the body might just be described as body parts, but it re- still represents the body. There is a force of darkness. Of which in Ephesians 6 it says... That the real war of the mind, the real problems that we have to face, isn't with warring in the flesh against flesh, but it says it's the principalities of darkness against the principalities of light. There's a war going on. And one of the things that 
the forces of darkness are interested in doing is dividing asunder the soul and the spirit. And your body. They want to divide asunder this triune thing that God has made available. This body representing a a temple of, of opportunity to be redeemed, salvaged from the fall and to be restored to Ophanim status and to preserve your spirit soul which is your birthright, your citizenship for the kingdom of the first domain, heaven of heavens. Well, Satan wants to divide and he wants to, 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 he wants to cut asunder. He wants to cut you off from your soul. He wants to cut you off from all of the, of the Spirit's capabilities so that the, the body will just become more and more animal. As you look out there in the world today, how a lot of people act. They are very animal. They are very beastly. Predators on one another. Killing for no real reason or no real value. Well, that was Hebrews 4.12 that it says that. Now, this thing about spirit, capital spirit, and this thing about Small spirit. Revelations one ten, John said, I was in the spirit, capital S, on the Lord's day. Now someone would take a scripture like that and say, okay, see, here you are. If you're not in the spirit, capital S, on the Lord's day, if you're not in the spirit, capital S, then you cannot come into the revelation of the Lord's day. Yeah, who said that? Why, here it is right here in the Scripture. Really. Well, what about this Scripture right here? Revelations 4.2 And immediately I was in the Spirit, S-P-I-R-I-T, small case. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes people say to me, I can't, I just can't seem... To, to, to feel the, the Holy Spirit. I, I just can't seem to get in the Spirit of God. I can't feel God. And, and it makes me not want to pray. It makes me just get discouraged seeking because I just can't feel God's Spirit. And I tell them, why? Well, you can't wait until you feel God's Spirit. You can't just say, well, if I don't feel God's Spirit, then I'm not going to pray. You see, John had an experience in which he was in the Spirit, capital S, on the Lord's Day. But let me just, let me just turn over here to Revelations and read that chapter 4, verse 2. You just see how great ex- experience that he had when he was in the Spirit, small case, his Spirit, <coughs> in his Spirit, small case, I'm turning it to Revelations chapter 4, verse 2. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he that sat 
was to look upon like a jasper and sardine stone, and there was a rainbow around about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And around about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their head crowns of gold. <coughs> and out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders, thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Not too bad for being in the spirit, small case. You see, I think what the thing is, is people don't understand that there's a way of worshiping God in the body and in your spirit. And that's another thing that is lost. People have lost these, these deep and wonderful revelations and understandings. And will you get so that you can worship God in the Spirit? It's like singing in a way. It's like when a person just sings from their throat and maybe sometimes they sing partly through their nose. And that's one kind of singing. And, you know, it's very body singing. But there's another kind of singing, and that is where a person opens their throat and they allow the tone to go down into their chest. And they're taking in all of the oxygen. And as they're singing, they're sucking in their stomach. They're sucking in that stomach and their chest. And it gives it that, opens up the tone coming all the way from almost to the solar plexus, all of the way up and through the mouth. And out to the ears. And your best singers, that's how they sing. Well, when you want to get into the spirit, you've got, you got to get into that solar plex area. Your spirit abides down there at the very crux where all the nerves of the body are. And you've got to learn how to get into the spirit. Not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you do that too. But your spirit. You got to learn to pray by your spirit because look what happened to John. He was immediately in the spirit, small case, S. And look what the incredible revelation, including seeing the revelation of the seven spirits of God and the throne and the rainbow around the throne. Oh, how glorious when he got into his spirit. When people pray, they go and they pray and they pray in the flesh, they praise God in the flesh. They get into travails. They get into travails in the flesh. Sometimes people just cry and cry and groan and groan. But they're doing it in the flesh. But when you get into the spirit, your spirit, small case, S-P-I-R, it will not be very long if you get into your spirit and begin to pray that the Holy Spirit will get involved. Capital S. Praise the name of God. Praise the name of the living God. The Spirit and the Bride say come. Revelations twenty two seventeen. Woo. Wow. I want you to know that God does have a lot to, to understand. He understands this thing about our flesh. 
He understands why we're in these bodies. Number 1622 talks about the God of the spirits of all flesh. I quote you that scripture about the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. That was in Corinthians 14.32. 1 Corinthians 14.32. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And we were talking about Hebrews 1.7. Who maketh his angels spirits. What were they before? Well, I'm going to tell you. Before the angels were angels. For the spirits were made to be angels. They came out of a of a creation like this universe. And there's been seven other universes. And that's why there's seven spirits of God and seven star angels of the churches representing seven universes. And each of these angels of the seven uni- seven universes are overcoming. They, re- they represent the plural of all the overcomers. The plural of, plural of one. And so, before they were made to be, you know, before their spirits, were made to be one way or another, they had an existence. They first became human-like beings who've got a consciousness and awareness of their being a God. And then in the course of time, they, they overcame, they went to the, the fringe of the first domain, living just at the boundaries of the first domain until the next universe was created. And then when they went out on a mission, and those that succeeded then ended, ended up winning a soul. So when it says, who maketh his angels spirits, who maketh his messengers spirits, because this thing of spirits is way, 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 way more powerful and eternal than anybody has ever thought. This actually makes angels secondary to spirits because he makes an angel a spirit. So he takes and, and makes this angel a spirit, this messenger, and makes them an eternal spirit. Because there's times the Bible says we will judge angels. Those those aren't the good angels. There's other scriptures that talk about 
the differentiation of different kinds of angels. There's the good watcher angels and the bad watcher angels. But when the angel who make it his angel spirits, and God did it, God did it, then we begin to realize that it's talking about something really powerful. And that's small case. Small case. So you have a spirit, ladies and gentlemen, that's already been to the first domain. And no one can ascend up there into the first domain. No one that has not come from there. That's why the Bible says, He that ascendeth is also he that first descended into hell. This earth, Tartaru, is, is, is a hell. And we, we are here to overcome and re, be re-established to the who that we were. And we're fallen angels, but he's going to make us a spirit, an eternal spirit again. The name messenger is just a job. The name angel is just a job. It's not greater than the spirit. The spirit is greater than the job. Someone says, oh, I'm an angel. Yeah, that means, oh, I got a job. Well, what's your job? I'm a messenger. That's what angel is. People have the wrong idea about angel. It's a job. God sends the angels out to do this. He sends them out to do that. It's a job. The angel title is great, but it's not as powerful as the word spirit because that's, that's the core of who you are. And it's the spirit that has a soul, not the job. Wow. Praise the name of God. And guess who we are subject to? Hebrews 12, 9 says that we are subject to the Father of Spirits, who also happens to be the Father of Lights, which is another way of saying spirits. Lights and spirits represent the same thing. And there's much deepness to that we don't have the time to get into tonight. We have lots more to cover. So, we're subject to the Father. My Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Wow. That is so beautiful. And when I say those things, it refreshes me. It refreshes me. Praise God. <clears throat> Going all the way back to Genesis 1, 2 capital S, Spirit of God moved upon the waters. We're talking about a vector here. We're talking about an acceleration of moving. The Spirit of God moving upon the waters. The day comes that the Bible says that Jesus said that they that worship God 
will not worship in this physical mountain or that physical mountain, but must worship in spirit and in truth. The spirit has movement. God is moving by his spirit, moving in all the earth, the song says. Wow. Exodus 35, 30 through 34 talks about being filled with the spirit of God's wisdom and talent. There are things that can happen to your spirit that's almost beyond belief. You can, you can be filled with a spirit that will overshadow your spirit and that will just give you wisdom and talents far beyond anything that you could ever imagine, making you capable of doing things that you never believed was possible. We know that Second Kings 2.9 talks about a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And it'd be hard to understand that if we didn't understand how that Moses was told by God to take of his spirit and put it on to 70 of his elders. And there's many other scriptures like that. There's something about this spirit that can be passed around. And if it can be passed around, the spirit you have can be passed around, then the spirit of, of God's good angels that have a job of guardianship, they can pass on to you double portions and spirits, a spirit of wisdom and, and a spirit of talent. Wow. Praise the name of God. In Proverbs 18, 14, it's very interesting. It says, the spirit of a man will sustain him. I've told this story before, but it's been a long time since I told it. Two people get into a, a fire. Two people get equal burns over most of their body. One person dies and the other person lives. Both people were healthy when they got into this terrible experience and happening of the fire. But one died and one lived. Why? Well, there are people that just have a spirit to live and they don't want to die. There are other people that They'll just say, I can't stand the pain. I just want to die. I can't stand the pain. I just want to die. But there's people that say, I don't want to die. I want to live. I, I've got too much to do. I, I, my, my wife needs me. My children need me. I don't want to die. And their spirit sustains them. And that is Bible. Some Proverbs 18.14, the spirit of man will sustain him. You just don't realize how powerful your spirit is, ladies and gentlemen. Small case. S-P-I-R-I-T, small case. Your spirit can sustain you. It can take you through hell. It can cause you to survive when all kinds of other people cannot survive. David understood that. He says there's thousands fallen on this side more than that. 
thousands fallen on the other side. It's not going to come nigh me. I'm going to make it. I'm going to overcome. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to be afraid of it. The spirit of David's sustained spirit. It was a sustaining spirit that sustained him. When I do Gentile on people, people say to me, do I have to have faith to get healed? And I say, no, you don't. Not through Gentile. Really? Well, I never heard of such a thing. I said, well, when you go into the hospital and you got a piece of glass sticking into your hand, do you look at the doctor and say, do I have to have faith for you to be able to take that glass out? You don't say that. Because you know the doctor's a doctor, and whether you have the faith in him or not, you're there and he's going to take that glass out. He's going to treat it and get bandages put on it. And didn't, you didn't have to have any faith. Well, the Bible says God made this body beautiful. It's wonderfully made. So God's already done this work. It it's, comes complete with a whole pharmaceutical capability. So when I do Gentile, it's just a matter of getting all the right directions and instructions out for there to be a healing. God is expanding the work of our spirit, small case. And that's why we talk about this being spirit to spirit. And the beauty of spirit to spirit is I can do that over the telephone. And you can be all the way around the world. But if I had to do it physical hands-on, my body part on top of your body part, my hands part on top of your head part, and praying for you for God to heal you, and I had to physically do that, that may not be possible. But spirit to spirit, I can go right through the telephone, right over the broadcast, and I can pray spirit to spirit to you. My spirit can impart this message for Gentile instructions through your brain to your body. That S P small case spirit is bigger than you think it can sustain you. You've got to get into understanding your spirit because you are 50% spirit and 50% body. Half of you is spirit. You can't just live your whole life in your physical body, entertaining it, feeding it, thinking about it, nourishing it. God wants you to get into your spirit. Wow. I quoted that scripture, the spirit goes upward. upward. That's in Ecclesiastes 3.21. Spirit of man goes upward, spirit of the beast goes downward. Did you know that your spirit, small case, in Proverbs 20.27, 20, says the spirit of man, the spirit of humans, are the candle of the Lord. There's a candle of the Lord inside of you that is searching for everything that you need, searching to find that door of utterance. 
searching to find that door of miracles and healing and overcoming of the flesh world. It's the candle of the Lord. And it's in your spirit, small case. It's Bible, ladies and gentlemen. It is Bible. Wow. We want to get into this thing about rest, but we may not be able to fulfill it. But I know in Isaiah 11:2 it talks about the Spirit of the Lord rest upon him. It is so important to get into that absolute place, that absolute space, so that the Spirit of the Lord will rest on you. Because I'm telling you, when you get to that place, everything will begin to change for you. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. Here's a real good one, Matthew 26, 41. Matthew 26, 41. The spirit, small case, is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's the story, ladies and gentlemen. There, there is the story. The spirit in you is willing, but it's the flesh that is weak. So if you don't ever get over into the sight of the Spirit, start learning how to sing in the Spirit, to praise God in the Spirit, and also to do it in the body. That's what the Bible says in Corinthians. Then <coughs> you will be missing out on one half of the tools and the instrumentation that God has given you for overcoming. <coughs> Excuse me. Wow. Wow, the spirit is willing. Your spirit is willing, ladies and gentlemen. It will sustain you. You've got to learn to be able to listen to your, your innermost being, your spirit person. Wow. You know, the Bible, when it's talking about Jesus, in Matthew, it says Jesus perceived in his spirit. He perceived in his spirit those people that did not trust him, did not believe in him. He perceived it. Your spirit has the capability to perceive things. Your flesh might perceive something but not be right because there's so many different kinds of contradictions and interferences that happen in the physical. But if you can get into your own spirit, someone says, I, I just can't get into the Holy Spirit. Okay, if you're not quite ready for that, then get into your own spirit. That's your own spirit. You were born with it. You know your spirit if you just give it a chance. You were born with it. Come on. Wow. In, in, in Mark eight twelve, it says Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit. Your spirit can go beyond the compassions of the physical body. Can go beyond the deep utterances of the of the physical body your spirit has an absolute space all of its own independent and separated from all external things and his spirit sighed deeply within him wow mark 8:12 Oof. Luke 2.17 talks about the spirit and power of Elijah. 
but it doesn't say the capital S P I R I T. It says small case. It's telling how incredible that the spirit of Elijah was and the power that his spirit, small case, had. It was expansive enough to be able to hand out double portions of that spirit. Wow. As far as in the the sinister world, in in the in the the unclean spirits and the foul spirits. Mark nine seventeen through twenty six talks about there are certain spirits that their job is to do a specific thing. They are specialists. They are evil spirits that are specialists to af- to affect the body, if at all possible, a certain way. And this particular person was possessed by this deaf and dumb sp- dumb spirit. That means it wasn't deaf and dumb, but that was his total purpose and total job and total assignment and total mission to go into people and make them deaf and make them dumb. He was an expert at doing that. And when Jesus recognized what kind of spirit was in this person, he cast that deaf and dumb spirit out, and after that, that person could hear and that person could speak. Wow. Now I'll tell you something. When the when the spirit is not inhabiting the body, the Bible says in Luke twenty four thirty seven through thirty nine, a spirit hath not flesh and bones. Jesus said, Touch me and see. Feel my wounds. I'm not a spirit. You think I'm a spirit, but I'm not just a spirit. I actually have a body. I have a spirit in this body, but uh, you know, but if a spirit is not made out of flesh and bones, they do not have flesh and bones, because flesh is enmity to God. The Bible says, flesh and blood cannot cannot, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven, which is talking about the first domain, the heaven and the heavens. John 4.23 says that we will worship the Father in spirit, S-P-I-R-I-T, small case, (coughs) in spirit and truth. Now most people think that that's talking capital S, You're going to worship him in the Holy Ghost. You'll do that too. But you first have to have a basis for doing that. And that basis is getting your spirit, your inner spirit, in shape. You're going to worship the Father in spirit and truth. And in John 6, 62 through 66, because there's a lot of other good reading there. 6, 62 through 66. It is the Spirit, small case, S-P-I-R-I-T, that quickeneth. It's the Spirit. It's your Spirit that quickeneth. It can sustain you. It's welling. Adam was born with a quickening Spirit. You've got a quickening Spirit. 
It is the Spirit that quickeneth you. You've got the ability to do this. And Satan wants to keep people ignorant. He doesn't want them to know how powerful the Spirit is. No wonder he wants to to divide asunder people from the Spirit and from the soul. So that all they'll have is the beast to depend on and to listen to and to believe in. The animal person. And make idols out of the animal person. And worship the animal person. And believe that that is what life is. Wants to divide the spirit and the soul. So that you lose out on these incredible beautifications of God. That need yet to work in the lives of multitudes of people. Wow. Sure. There's many beautiful things that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit does. In Acts 2.4, when the Holy Spirit came down, it was the Spirit, capital S, that gave them utterance. And Paul in another place talked about a door of utterance was opened to me. So the Holy Spirit will give you utterance. and It'll, it'll show you how, how to speak these things. Yeah, the body without the Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, is dead. The Spirit is incredible. Your spirit is incredible. It's awesome. And the body without it is dead. Can you get that picture? Can you understand to quit worshiping your fleshly body and thinking that it's the answer and it can do all these things when it's actually your spirit that is welling? Your spirit that can quicken? James 2.26. Wow. Yeah, God's wanted to bring you into that absolute space. He's wanting to to bring you into a rest mass that can enter dilation. You know, when we look at Einstein's formula, E equals MC2, energy, mass, velocity, speed of light, squared, and you think about the binding energies that are in the atomic energies. <clears throat> well, there's so many interesting things like when oxygen and hydrogen are explosively combined to make water. The sum of the rest masses, rest, R-E-S-T masses, of the initial hydrogen and oxygen atoms is just a little bit less than the sum of the rest masses of the resulting water molecules. This is how close that the conservation of energy has a continuum. And it's amazing that some of these uh, binding energies are able to make these changes because some of atomic nuclei is not indivisible. They have component parts like protons and neutrons which stay together. And it's only through certain processes, some they call fission and fusion, but natural processes like the triple alpha process where after the 
carbon of life is formed in the interior, interior of a, of a, uh, of a uh, dying star. How that it is the, the alpha particle that causes the heavy nuclei to begin to fall apart. Sort of creates a fission effect. And atoms, <laughs> come on, carbon, that's, that's what we are. And, and one other point, part that you may or may not understand is about when atomic particles collide. If, if when atomic particles collide, they change from what they were, that is called a reaction. But if they do not change and they stay the same, that is called an elastic collision. And I think that sometimes, you know, that people are like that. They, they, they go through this collision of, of, of things in this world. One banging thing of damning consequences and conditions. But it doesn't change them. It's just this elastic collision. But there's other people when they go through these conditions, it really affects them. They really begin to see how that their carbon was made from a dying star. They they begin to understand how that it's the alpha that brings about the decay that allows them to change from this one type of condition of state to another. People haven't come into that understanding. Oh, I've got so much more to cover. I didn't get into the incredible revelation of the rest and a whole bunch of other things, but we're going to have to save that for the next time around. We'll continue this teaching next week. I want to do Gentile today for people that are having extreme provocations in their body that especially has to do with a restriction of, of functioning of their immune systems causing all kinds of horrible diseases including Alzheimer's disease. There are people that are having problems that they don't even know, like with their adrenal glands. That makes cortisol when it is in good, healthy condition. But when it becomes stressed, it becomes fatigue and cortisone production plummets. <clears throat> Here we go. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to the thyroid. Begin to send messages into the adrenal glands. Begin to accelerate them. And <clears throat> yet, though, a gradual acceleration to make the full 
content of cortisol that they need to make so that they will not be able to add fatigue into the people's bodies and immune systems. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid, to the left hemisphere of the brain, to the stress center. Begin to send messages to the left hemisphere of the brain to create anti-stress hormones to be used to eradicate any stress hormones that might arise. As to any imbalances in the body causing insomnia, caused by an imbalance in stress hormones, caused by a failure of enough cortisol, being delivered by neurotransmitters. The blockage of those transmitters like serotonin and dopamine. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid, to the basal ganglia, substantial nigra, to the making of three capsules of dopamine to be dispersed every three hours apart as needed by the brain. Begin to loosen the serotonin that is needed in the body for its capability as a transmitter. Begin to loosen the remedies to reprogram the hormone systems, to reprogram the body's sleep patterns. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid. Send messages through the corpus callosum to all the hemispheres, to the parasympathetic, to coordinate vibrations of healing throughout the whole body. Those people fighting off such things as extreme headaches and flu, begin to deal with them and heal them by releasing the full energy of the immune system. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen. I do want to mention about that book. If you want to get that book, while I've got them left, The Seven Thunders, in two weeks or so, I'll be starting on that new series. Check it out on the website. God bless you. We love you. Have a good night. Bye.